Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's a great privilege to be here with each and every one of you. Uh, I am greatly encouraged by each and every one of you. Uh, obviously, what Pastor George said is somewhat true. Almost got beat up a couple of times, but we know that, right, um, we're going to be hated by all men for his name's sake. Um, so I'm very encouraged. Uh, just want to say a little bit before I just begin getting into the Word of God. Uh, very encouraged by the prayers of the saints this morning. I want to tell you that. Very encouraged. Very encouraged by this brother in the back. Very encouraged by each and every one of you as you continue to lift up your voices unto the Lord. Um, we are excited to be here. We are excited to be here fellowshipping with each and every one of you. Um, and we consider it a great privilege to be here with each and every one of you. And so um, I just want to tell you uh, just greetings from Lasco Church. Um, grace and peace uh, to each and every one of you who are of the household of faith from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, um, who's blessed us with the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's given us the Holy Spirit, which is uh, the inheritance, which is our guarantee. Amen. Uh, we belong to the Lord. And as our brother said, we drove more than 260 uh, miles away from New York with my brother here. Oh, man, I love this brother, Lewis. Uh, very funny guy as well, too. Uh, but very loving, uh, also willing to, to call me out and, 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 and love me and urge me, urge me as to uh, the calling, right, that God has called us to. Um, and I'm excited for the VBS. I'm very excited um, for the VBS. I'm excited for those of you who have uh, signed up, even those that are actually here and praying. If you can't make it, I'm excited that you are part of this. We are so excited. This is actually our first VBS, and you will be a part of this. You will be a part of the first VBS that we will be having in the Bronx, New York. And um, we know that the, the labor is not in vain. Amen. Uh, let's go directly to the scripture reading for today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I, I just want to encourage, um, I want to encourage, I want to remind each and every one of you, I want to exhort you all, um, and, and for those who do not know God, I, I do want to, uh, I'm praying that through the, the preaching of God's word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm believing that God um, is, if you're here, is drawing you near to him. Um, and so I'm believing that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I'll be reading from ESV beginning at verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you 
know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come here as your people. As your people, oh God. Open our eyes to behold the marvelous, the glorious, the wonderful, the amazing truth of your law. Speak to us. You said in your word that those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. Fill us with all your righteousness. And show us how we ought to walk, how we are to continue walking in the Spirit so that we do not gratify the desires of our flesh. Speak to your people. Remove me, O oh God, and may the Holy Spirit shoot out missiles to your people, not only to convict, but to encourage, to teach, to train your people in righteousness, that we would continue running the race set before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers, John MacArthur said... The more that God's word is removed from our lives, the more inhibited our spiritual progress becomes. Nothing else can do the work that the truth does. There's no sanctifying power in human wisdom, intuition, insight, or experience. It is only in the word of God. Only the truth revealed in scripture sanctifies. Sound teaching, accurately interpreted, understood and applied. As divine revelation is embraced, spiritual progress is made. There are no alternative routes to godly character and holy living. There are no alternative routes to godly character and holy living. Here we have Paul in the first three chapters causing the Thessalonica church to look back at what God has done. And I call you today, my brother and sister, to look back at what God has done in your life. Look back. Too many times we are looking forward. What must I be? What must I do? How should I do it? 
we're always looking ahead when we should be looking back at the great salvation that God has given us. Let us look back to the cross of Christ Jesus, who saved us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Let us look back, saints. And just a little bit before we get into verses that we want to look at today, just some background to help you to understand what's going on in this chapter. And I'll promise, I'll try not to be like John MacArthur who gives a 20-minute introduction. Try my best. Paul, an apostle, is, is writing to a young church, a church while he's in Corinth. He's writing to the Thessalonica church. He was possibly uh, only with the Thessalonica church maybe about three weeks or so during his second missionary journey. And this is probably the first letter that Paul has written to any church, the Thessalonica church. His love for the church caused him to write to the church. Isn't that what love does? Love calls us to action. Love causes us to pray for one another. And, and Paul and Silas had to flee after an angry mob of Jews were after them preaching the only gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 17, verse 6 and 7, it tells us the impact of when the gospel message is not being diluted. The gospel message is being preached uh, by the Spirit and the power of God. Verse 6 and 7 tells us, These men who have turned the whole world upside down have come here also. Verse 7, And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. You see that? When you, my brother, sister, begin to preach King Jesus, it will be as though you are turning the whole entire world upside down. It's as though you're grabbing somebody. I don't know if this has ever happened to anybody. But if somebody's ever turned you upside down and tried to, it's happened to me a couple times. But If anybody's ever turned you upside down, well, uh, this is what we do when we preach the gospel. We know that there are other gospels in the world today. The gospel of materialism. The, the gospel of you need a better job. You, you need to be doing better. I mean, there's even a temptation coming here to church and saying, man, I like this area. Uh, I need to make some more money so I can live around here. There's, there's a temptation, saints. And, and one of the major themes in the letter was to clear up this misunderstanding specifically of the return of Christ for the Thessalonian church. But also, what we'll see in the chapter is Paul is, in chapter 4, instructing. He's instructing the believers on how to live in Christ Jesus a holy life. And, and notice, he's saying you're living in Christ Jesus a holy life, but live more. Love more. Uh, the Thessalonica culture just is very similar to uh, the cultures that we see in our states. You go into a city. What are the things that you see? <laughs> you, you see, you know, sex all around. You see people half naked. You see, um, uh, you, the brother talked about, you know, you see these, these places where you can go and get your hand read, palm readings. 
you see just about everything, very similar to the, to the Thessalonica culture. It was filled with pagan religions, which mixed sex with religion. He thought they was doing a service to God for having sex with many people. These are these false gods. And this would also mean that those who had gotten saved, this is what we have to remember as you go out here in Virginia, that those who would get saved still need to be sanctified. And that's, that's for all of us. Just because I'm saved, it doesn't mean that I've reached uh, uh, you know, perfection. I still need sanctification. Amen? I need sanctification. And, and, and so these people that are getting uh, saved are people from prostitution temples. There's people who were homosexuals. There are people who um, uh, were just living a life apart from God. And this was the culture that was filled with even men who had wives only to have children. And then they had mistresses only to have pleasure. This was the culture, very similar, saints, to our culture. You go to work and you're with the, the, the men or you're with the women and, and, and people are showing pictures and people are, are saying, man, you're missing out. You're missing out on what the world has to offer. I mean, marriage is, is, is not held to, to as, it, as it should be held. We know that, saints. The marriage bed is constantly defiled in this world today. And, and we're seeing that in, in, in here in, in the Thessalonica culture. This is what Paul is, is coming and preaching and, and preaching the gospel to Paul and Silas are coming and preaching. Paul makes it clear in the opening first chapter of the letter to the Thessalonian people that they went from worshiping the Greek the, the Roman and Egyptian gods, and in verse 9, if you're looking, in verse 9, he, in, in the first chapter of the Thessalonians, the first letter, verse 9, he says that they turn to God from idols. Turn to God from idols. This was a church that was in a hostile environment, but like many churches today who are in hostile environments, we are still... Saints, listen, we are still called to preach the gospel in the most hostile environments, knowing that God will save. Amen? God will save. And it's just amazing to see people get saved, to see people hear the the, the call of the shepherd, and they come and they follow him. And that God would allow you to be part of that. That he would save you. And as he's sanctifying you, he's, he's giving you a, a desire to go out and to tell the world of what he's done inwardly in you. Don't keep it. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't be selfish. Don't keep it to yourself. Let the world know. He has told you, go out into the world. Go out. Don't go in. Go out into the world and preach. Lift up your voice. Preach this gospel that has saved you. The very same gospel that has saved you will save others. Amen? Amen. 
still the power of God unto salvation. It is, saints, no matter what's going on. It is still the power of God unto salvation. And so in chapter 1, Paul reminds the church of their conversion, which I'm reminding you of your conversion. We, we, we sometimes forget what it was like. Man, I remember I got saved. I'm like, I just want to be in church all day long. I want to be in the scriptures all day long. I want to be in prayer all day long. And what starts to happen? We begin to start to get lazy. Come on, let's be honest, saints. We get lazy. We, we, we kind of get familiar with things, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And, and we start to, to lose reverence at times. This sensitivity to the God of the universe. That, that he is the creator. That, that just at the, at the power of his voice, I, I, I could lose my life. And so Paul is reminding them that they became examples. And that's what each and every one of you are examples. Those of you who are in Christ Jesus, you are an example to other believers. You are being an example to us at the last call church. What a great example you are all showing to us, of what it is to love. They became examples to the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. In chapter 2, Paul speaks of the labor, the toil, how he worked so he would not be a burden to them while preaching the gospel of God, that he was a good example to them on how one ought to walk. And towards the end of that chapter, Paul tells of how he and Silas were torn apart, and yet he was still longing to see them. And then in chapter 3, Paul says he, he couldn't bear it any longer. He, he was anxious to, to know what was going on in the Thessalonian church. If he had only been there with them for just three weeks, he's like, these are babes in Christ. Like, who's with them? They, they need help. They still need instruction and training. And Paul's love, and I know you guys have experienced this, your love for your children, your, your, your love for your husband, your, your love uh, for your grandma, uh, to mention her and say, Grandma, you're 90, and it's, it's, it's better for you to be with the Lord, but I still want you here. I still love you, Grandma, and you still have purpose as to why the Lord has you here. We're, we're trusting you, God, until you're ready to take her home. It's your love. Your love can't keep you still. Love is always moving, it's always working, it's always in action. Love, your love keeps you calling the brother who doesn't pick up. Calling the sister who at times doesn't pick up, and maybe it's not purposely, or maybe it is. But your love doesn't stop showing love because the other person's not receiving it. Your love keeps on. Because we are taught that love by God. And Paul's love couldn't keep him still. So what does he do? He says, well, I'll send Timothy. Timothy, go. Because he had to know what was going on over there in Thessalonica. Was his labor in vain? Did the, did the tempter get to them? That's some real love right there. I don't know if you guys... Somebody come knocking on your door. Some of us forget that some people here know where you live. They could just come knock on your door and, 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 and come and, and embrace and show you love. And, and, and many times, that's what we need. We need someone to come 
and, and show us love, not just by word, but by deed. A love that just won't wait around. And some of you have not only experienced that love of God, putting people in your life here or, or those around who don't know when to quit, but God has also put brothers and sisters here who have displayed that kind of love towards others. You, you are displaying that love even to us. And it's more than just saying, I love you, saints. It's more than that. It's more than just saying, I love you. There has to be more. We know that God didn't just say, I love you. God demonstrated his love for us by sending Christ Jesus to die for us. He demonstrated. He showed, I love you. Look at my son. I sent him for you. He would die for you and that you would live for him. You see, it's more than just I love you. Paul was showing it. Even though I can't make it, someone else will go in my place. Someone else will go in my place. Sometimes we get caught up in, well, I can't make it so nobody could go. And Paul said, I'll send Timothy. I'll send Timothy. And even though he couldn't make it, he sent Timothy and and get this, if, you, if you're with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, if you're there in your Bible, verses 6 through 8, Paul was hoping to hear some good news. Man, it, I love when we hear some good news about what is going on with other believers in other places. It's so, such comforting to come here and know that God has a church here in Virginia of men, of women, of children who love him. So comforting, so encouraging that God is still adding to his church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. So encouraging. And so Paul is obviously discouraged about his anxiety over the churches. And look what he states in verse 6 to 8 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 6 to 8, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Oh, we are comforted here at the Last Call Church to know that we can come here and see God working in his people. He's, he's working in his people, and that's exactly what Paul needed to hear from Timothy. Just imagine, when, and you guys know what it is, when you hear good news, you're like, oh, amen. Pastor George is like, wow, amen. It, it's so comforting to know that this brother and sister, no matter where they are, they, they're still being kept by the Lord. And so Paul goes from establishing and comforting the church of the Thessalonians in chapter 1 to 3 to calling them to, to our text, to a holy and disciplined life that is filled with love in a hostile environment. Let's not skip over that. It is so difficult to love, uh, love those outside that don't know Christ. Let's be honest. 
you have nothing in common with them just but the sin. <laughs> Sometimes we walk around like, annoyed by the sinner. Well, that used to be you. That used to be us. We have to remember that we've been called out of sin. And so they were in this hostile environment and, and they're waiting on the coming of Christ. And so, beloved, I want you to see three things. Three things, three points that I want us to look at as we look through verses 9 and, nine and 10. The first is the love for God. Love for God, saints. Love for God. In 1 John, if you look with me, 1 John chapter 4, it teaches us that there can be no love for others if there is no love for God. How was the Thessalonian church able to love in a hostile environment? Well, they loved God. You ask, why am I growing cold? For uh, growing cold first for my, my brothers and sisters and growing cold in, in my evangelistic uh, efforts because there's a lack of love many times for God. A lack of love it leads to my lack of love for the lost and even starts with the, my brothers. It tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The proof, saints of the Thessalonian church, loving God is in the first chapter. They turn to God from idols, to serving the living and true God. In verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. What really drew the Thessalonians to these false gods? Do you remember what we were drawn to before B.C., before Christ? What, what, what turned us on to, to, to go to these false gods? Well, it was our love of self. These false gods, Egyptian, Greek, or Roman, it was their love of self, and, and it was wrapped up in sex. It was wrapped up in, uh, man, I can't have a baby, so I go to the God of fertility. It was wrapped up in, I lack strength, so I want strength, not from God, but I want my own strength. I want my own power. I want my own money. That was what was consuming their desires. And we have to admit, saints, that the church of Thessalonians, they're not alone. We get caught up in these things. And we must repent quickly because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. If we look too hard, if we look at the wine while it's in the cup, oh, we must be careful, saints. We have to be careful. We must be alert. We must be sober. We must watch. We must beware. In 1 John chapter 2, which I'm sure you're familiar with, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. 
and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. There's a problem, saints, and I mentioned this earlier, there's a problem with familiarity. Such a problem with familiarity, and some of you may have heard it, that famili familiarity breeds contempt. You, you know, you're so familiar with something or someone that you lose respect or you lose appreciation. But the Bible tells us that we must maintain a healthy fear and reverential fear of God. We, we must maintain that. A, a reverence for him, a trembling before the Lord. Understanding that while we are saved and nothing can separate us from the love of God, we must live holy. He's called us to holiness. Amen? So, so our lack of fear of God leads to a lack of reverence, a respect for him. And it's why there's a lack of holy spiritual disciplines in our life. Here the Apostle John says there are idols that can steal and draw you away. Your desire is to fulfill your flesh. And the Bible tells us of the battles of the flesh that every believer struggles with. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Saints, we are so prone to wander, so prone to leave the God we love because of the lack of fear. Fear of him. Fear of God. And there is a direct command from Scripture to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, as I mentioned earlier, impurity, passions, evil desires, covenants, which is idolatry. Colossians 3.5, set your minds on what, saints? On the things that are Above, not on the things that are on earth. We, we, we need to pray hard, saints. We are so visual and we, we, we look at what we can see and what we can touch. And the Bible tells us to set our minds on Christ who is seated above. What idols... Must you turn from today that you would love idols that you have been stuck with and, and saying, God, help me, deliver me from this, this idol? What is separating you from your love for God? Only you know. Only you and God know what separates you. Is it your stuff? Is it your stuff? Is it, is it your career? Is it, is it your money? Is, is sexual immorality? What steals your affections today? 
What, what is stealing your affections? What is, what is causing you to not thirst for the living God as you did before? What, what steals it? The believers in, in, Thessal, in Thessalonica, were, were, what, what were they doing to put these desires of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, what were they doing? Well, they were running away from it. In 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee, run, you, flee youthful passions, and then pursue, pursue righteous faith. A righteous living faith, love, and peace, as we're doing now, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. They ran from their idols. My question to you, my brother, my sister, are you running from your idols? Are you running from your idols? Are you kept busy doing exactly what the Lord had taught the Thessalonians to do? To one another. What did he tell them to do? Love one another. In verse 9 of our text, now concerning brotherly love. Look, just look around you very quickly. One of the things that I love that, that you guys did and something we need to do is right before the service, you are greeting one another. You're hugging one another. You're talking one another. And, and, and even Pastor George said, okay, let me break this up. <laughs> There's such a love for one another, that, that it doesn't want to stop. It, it's a love that, that is all-consuming. It comes from God. And it wasn't something uh, that, that, that many of us here had to be taught uh, by a person, but that God taught us. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, teaching us how to love one another. And this is exactly what Paul tells them concerning brotherly love. Philadelphia which needs to work on their love, but Philadelphia describes a love which calls for an affection for one another, like the one that's expressed between natural family members. Do you see your brothers and sisters here as family members? Because that is exactly what Jesus said. My family are those who do what? The will of God. Do you embrace your brothers and sisters with the kind of hug that you would embrace your actual blood family? Do you take time to, to, to listen to them, or are you ready to run to the next person to talk to them? Love. Take time to listen to your brother. Take time to pray for your brother and sister. Take time. Know their heart. Pray for discernment. God, who should I pray for today? Who should I pray for today? Would you lead me to pray for my brother and sister? I, I, you come ready to serve. It would be prideful, saints, of us to think that our brothers and sisters have no need. We all have need of the Lord. And we all have need of one another. And, and so that comes with building relationships with one another. Getting to know you. Getting to know you. Sorry. But getting to know you, getting to know your brothers and sisters intimately. And so what does Christian love look like what did, concerning this brotherly love? Well, love is patient with brothers. Anybody can say amen? Love is patient 
And, and, and let's be honest, we, we lack patience. There was a time of Brother Lewis, we were sitting in some traffic and there was a lack of patience. <laughs> when is this traffic going to move? There's a lack of patience when you speak with a brother or sister and you tell them what the word of the Lord says and they don't respond to it. But remember that there's times we don't respond to it. There's patience. Be patient with brothers and sisters in Christ because guess what? They're not like you. Sorry. We can't clone ourselves. We can't make people like us. We can, make, we can pray and say, Lord, make them like you. Make them like you. Because I fail. Love is kind during moments where you want to be rude. Love is kind during moments that you want to be rude. Love is not envious of a brother or sister when they are honored. Love is not boastful in what you've done for your brother or sister. Or what you've done in your family. And look at me. Look what I've done. Why do we boast as though we've done anything when everything that we have been given and all the gifts that we have come from the Lord? Love is not arrogant towards a brother or sister. Listen, I think one thing we need to work on is thinking before speaking. We don't have to say everything that comes to our head. Sometimes we... Why did I say that? Why did I say that to my wife? Help me, Lord. Help me. And so uh, love is, is not arrogant. Love uh, for a brother or sister does not give an ultimatum. It's not my way or the highway. Brothers and sisters, we, we tend to do that, right? It's my way. My way is the best way. I want it my way. We need to want it his way. Love doesn't get irritated. Oh, man, that's a hard one, right? Love doesn't get irritated in seeing the same brothers and sisters and asking God, when are you going to bring more people, new faces? We, we, we actually should be enjoying the fellowship that, wow, you came another Sunday. And you keep coming and the Lord keeps on bringing you. It's evidence that, that you truly have been saved. That God has done a work in you. And, and when you don't come, I'm like, oh man, where's the brother or sister? Why is it that we do that? Why do we love our brothers and sisters when we don't see them on a Sunday? But then when we see them on a Sunday, we're just like, oh, hey man, God bless you. It should be always loving one another. Excited to see my brother or sister. Excited to hear my brother or sister pray. Even when your brother or sister is battling sin, which they will, which we all will, you're mourning with them. You're sad. You're sad that they are going through some type of sin, some type of Tribulation, you, 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 you're, you're ready, yes, you're ready to correct, you're ready to rebuke, you're ready to, uh, to, 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 to share with them what the Word of God says, you're ready to call them out of sin, but are you ready to sit with them? To wait on the Lord? 
knowing that God will, that he's able to, to take them out of that sin. Are you, or are you just like, well, step four. That's it. This, you're not a believer anymore. What did you say? Oh, yeah, you're a false teacher. You're not a believer anymore. Are we willing to wait on the Lord? We sang it today. Are we willing to wait on the Lord? Knowing that he is, he is mighty. He's mighty to do a work in, in the brother and sister that is, is, is battling with sin. That is fighting. Will you fight with them on your knees? Will you meet with them if they haven't been coming to church? Will you love them more? Will you look at the person who seems like an outsider when they come to the church and make them an insider and say, when, when are we meeting? When are we talking? When are we praying? Love is seeing them come to repentance and knowing that God used you to be a part of that. Wow. That God would use me to, to, to win my brother or sister over. And love is bearing with one another. You have to bear with one another. Believing God is at work in our brothers and sisters. And love allows us to endure with one another. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24 and 25 says, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. That true, saints. Same care for one another. It even tells us how to love one of Ephesians 4, 2, with all, humility, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager. Are you eager, saints, to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? This is love. And all through scriptures, I'll give you a couple what love is not. Galatians 5.13, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. It even continues in Galatians in chapter 5, verse 25 and 26, that we must be led by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, saints, provoking one another and envying one another. This, this brotherly love that Paul is telling the the Thessalonian church, now concerning the brotherly love, is a supernatural love that God gives. He brings the harmony, an in in aroma, something that people can behold outsiders, as, our, as, as your pastor said, outsiders can see and, and how good and pleasant it is just to see them get together. The scripture tells us, how, how, behold how good and pleasant it is in, in Psalms when 
we are in unity. We are together. And, and, and outsiders listen and look at our conversations and they look at our body language when we're together and say, that's so real. Why is it that when we go to restaurants or we're hanging out with each other, people are like, there's something different about these brothers and sisters. They really love each other. They really love each other. And, and every once in a while, somebody might just come into your conversation. There goes the opportunity for evangelism. God is always even when we are not going out, he is always sending people to us that we would preach the gospel. You see, so brotherly love is, is what we see in the, in the Thessalonian church. They had a genuine love for one another. John chapter 13, verse 34, 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What would Jesus say about the brotherly love here at Cross Life Bible Fellowship? By the way, I love the name Cross Life. Me and Brother Lewis were meditating on that. Cross Life. Amazing. Pick up your cross and follow him. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. Is this love for one another drawing others from this community? Are we allowing for other people to see our love for one another? Right here in this community. And honestly, saints, I truly do believe it is. I believe that Word is ringing out from right here in Cross Life. Because I'm experiencing it all the way 260-something miles away. It's ringing out. It's ringing out. And, and, and God has sent you here to be a part of that love. That love that you are a part of, that God has brought you in put you into this body because he loves you and then says here, I have other people who love me. Come, love me together and love one another. As our, our brother said, we were checking in and maybe one of you can head over down there to the Hilton. It's a young lady there who's, who's pregnant and uh, she was helping us to check in keep her in prayer, uh, it just so happens she has the same last name as me. And I was so amazed by that, that I would come 260-something miles and find a, a lady behind a desk who's pregnant, who came all the way from Denver, Colorado, and says, me and you have the same last name. Pastor George says, well, that means you got to come to church. And Brother Lewis and I begin to share the gospel with her. She, we ask her, what, what can we, how can we pray for you? Um, and she's, she's going through 
a tough time right now. And so uh, having a baby, and so there's so much love that is needed in this community. It's right around you. It's in where you live. It's here, around the church. Long story short is that she was invited to church, and though that was one time, we know, I'm sure one of you will be able to get down there and see her one of these days, but we're believing that, that, that we've planted the seed and that the Lord will cause it to grow, and that one day we will see her here, Lord willing, amen? If this is happening if you are already doing this and going out and preaching the gospel and loving one another, I just urge you, do it more. Do it more. Don't grow weary, as my brother Lewis constantly reminds us, to reminds me, let us not grow weary in doing good. Our labor is not in vain, saints. Don't grow weary in doing good. Hebrews 13.1 tells us, let brotherly love continue, which means that it was already present. If it's continuing, that means it's present. A famous quote by uh, a man back in AD 192, Tertullian, who says, the pagans remark in amazement, behold how these Christians love one another. Is that what they're saying of us. And when they say that, we say, yeah, come here. We got some more love to give. In verse 9, he says, uh, you have no need. And I was interest, interested in this and what Paul is saying in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, you have no need. And, and I was telling the brother, if, if, if he had no need, then why was he writing to them? I have no need for me to write to you and tell you about this because you've been taught of God. So why are you writing, Paul? A need is a necessity, a lack of something, a need of someone or something, but here Paul says you have no need for anyone to write to you, meaning others couldn't teach them how to love one another. They did not learn it from the prostitution temples that they were at before Christ or in the area, or from the world, or from false pagan religion, or from some love guru. No, Paul is not saying that he should not write to them, but that because God taught them and gave them his love, that they'd have no need for more lessons on loving the brethren. Just as you have no need. He was treating them like family because God Taught them. And what does it mean to be taught by God? To be taught is to be provided instruction. Here at Cross Life, you are being taught through the Bible studies, through the leaders that God has given to you, and also you're being taught by, the, by God the Holy Spirit. Amen? John chapter 14, verse 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Also, God has made it a responsibility for believers 
to be taught. Matthew 28, verse 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the things I have commanded you. They've been taught how to love each other. by God, the Holy Spirit, and obviously Paul, as their teacher, gave them examples. But are we being led by the Spirit in our love? We have to ask ourselves, ask yourself this. Am I allowing the Spirit to control me and guide me in my love for others? It needs to be an examining, my dear brother and sister. That every time we are brought to the cross, we see that our love falls short of what Christ has done on the cross, but also that while we fall short, Christ is enough. Christ is enough in that, his, in that he is teaching us how to love one another more. I just want to remind any suffering saint here, that there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Whatever suffering you're going through, that suffering will eventually lead to you in glory with God. So though you are a, a suffering saint, for, for whatever you're suffering with, there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's something that you need to remind yourself about and that we need to remind each other about. It's a wonderful news that there is no greater love than this, that a man, the Christ Jesus, would lay down his life for his friend. And Christ did that for you. So yes, we fall, but God will pick us up again. Amen? We're constantly being taught by God how to love him, how to love our wives, our family, how to love the leaders that God has put in charge. And listen to this. To watch over your soul. Have you meditated on that? God has brought leaders to watch over your soul, to teach, uh, to pass down to faithful men who also be able to be uh, leaders as well. We heard the prayer. So men, are you ready? Are you ready to, to, to be leaders? God is calling you. The, the call has went out. Being leaders in your home first. Leaders in your community, being leaders. And think about these leaders who watch over your souls as under-shepherds while you are temporarily here. Are you letting them watch over your soul? Are you giving them a hard time? You know, we got some stubborn sheep. Let them watch over your soul. Let them do this. Don't, don't make it difficult for them. Loving the brothers and sisters. Loving the lost. And, and don't stop loving even more. And, and, and you may be sitting here and there may be a, a lack of love for a dear brother or sister. But look to the Lord and he will teach you how to love people who are not like you. Philippians 2.13 tells us how he will do that. Philippians 2.13 tells us that you don't have to do this on your own, that you don't have the power within yourself to do this on your own, that if you are growing cold, God will change your coldness. 
He will warm you up. He will give you the desire to think of others instead of yourself. Tells us that God gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And just some of us just need to be around people who love. (laughs) And some of us haven't grown up in the place where we were loved. I can tell you for myself, I I didn't grow up with my father. I grew up with my mom, and she taught me as much as she could how to love my grandmother. But some of us need to be around those who, who God has taught how to love. Not that you can't learn how to love because you didn't have a father or a mother, but we need to see it. We need to be able to see what it looks like. How do I love my my children if I didn't have a father who loved me? How do I I love the lost? How do, brother or sister, take me out there when you go and preach to the lost? Why do you have such a love for the lost? Desire this love. Aspire towards this love. Be around the leaders. Get involved. Are you, are you, as an individual, fulfilling the one another commands of Scripture? Are you building up brothers and sisters, or are you tearing them down with what you say and how you live? Ask yourself. Galatians chapter 5, verse 26, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Are you loving others? And lastly... This love that has no end. In verse 10, God wants a spirit-filled body of Christ that is continually loving, continually encouraging one another. There's this urge here in verse 10, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. God has called you alongside your brother, the one that you sit next to, the one that you see on Sunday. Maybe some of you are seeing each other more than just Sunday. Praise God for that. He's called you alongside. He's called both of you alongside one another. To do what? To encourage one another, to exhort one another, to warn one another, to remind one another. To preach the gospel to one another. Think, when, when was the last time you encouraged your dear brother or sister? You may say, well, today I did. Well, keep doing it. Do it more. Advancing it more. Not only when you see them. Advancing it, and I mean, we have our phones. We can advance in text, text messages. I don't know if you guys have a group here, but, you know, text messages, phone calls, meeting up, breaking bread, showing hospitality. And we see this in the text with the brothers and sisters in Macedonia. They were showing their love. The brothers and sisters in Macedonia were, were Jews and Gentiles and, and enslaved and free and male and females. And how were they showing their love to them? And it doesn't say specifically exactly what they were doing, but in the first chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 
uh, uh, chapter 1, if you look with me in verse 6, it says here, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. In the midst of afflictions and distress, they were still showing love. That happening with us. One of the sisters talked about the persecution that is coming and continues to come our way as the church as we lift up the banner of Christ. There's more coming. But in the midst of persecution, in the midst of trials, in the midst of the things that are to come, will you continue to love one another? In the midst of it all, love, it covers a multitude of sins. Love. It even says in verse uh, verse 9, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living God, the living and true God, and to wait for his Son. How could they show more love? Some of you are like, well, I don't even know how much more love I can give. You got more. You got more because God says you have more. He can give you the supernatural love for your brother and sister. And so I I, I just ask you, what areas of your life can you show more love towards your brothers and sisters? Here at Cross Life, how can you encourage someone? And how does cross life excel in love? How are you going to excel in love? Well, you, you're doing it by coming to help us. <laughs> you're excelling in love. You're traveling. You're coming to help us this summer. And, and, and still keep growing in your love, not just for us in New York, but here, right here in Virginia, there's a lot of love for you to continue to give. Don't be discouraged, saints. Continue to love. Continue to, to preach the gospel. Continue to go out because it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And, and, and remember this amazing grace of God for you. Because as you remember it, as you meditate on it, it'll send you out. It'll send you out. Something we need to do much more often in our lives as Christians is we need to just sit and look at the cross. Look at the cross at how Jesus bled and died for you. Let it soak into your mind. Pray of what God has sent Jesus Christ to do on the cross for you. Let it it dwell richly inside of you. And remind yourself that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For you, you were his joy. You were his pride and his joy. He was thinking of you, knowing that you would come to believe in him, that he would draw you and drag you to himself. And then keep you. For he who began a good work in you 
will bring it to completion. He'll raise you up at the last day. And knowing that should motivate you. God, I'm saved, but I know there are other sheep outside. My family. How can we say that we want family members to be saved, but we're not praying for them? How? We think that just by opening up our mouth to men, we need to open up our mouth to God. The God who brings salvation. The only one who has the power and the authority. You want to see God save, will speak to God about men. He is mighty to save. He's mighty to save. As George Mueller once talked about, he prayed for more than 60 years for a man to be saved, and that man was saved. Believe that God is still saving. No matter when you go in your gatherings with your family members, no matter when you're with those in your, in your co-workers, believe and say, no, God, I know you can say it. I know you can do it. You can take my mom out of spiritism. You can take my, my family. Listen, I had a, a grandmother who was, in, was called brujeria, witchcraft. And the Lord saved my grandmother and through my grandmother, we heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is able. He is able. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we think or ask, saints. He is able. He continues to save. He bled for us. He died on the cross. Look to his unmerited favor, his steadfast love toward you. Fall in love again and again with the Lord. Cry out. Some of you here have to cry out, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me, I'm weak, God. Where is my hunger for thee, God? Where is my hunger where is my thirst? I remember that I used to be like the deer that panteth after the water brook. Where is it, God? Give me hunger for thee. Give me thirst for thee. I'm dry, I'm dry, I'm here in a, in a dry and weary land. Give me thirst. Give me hunger. Give me desire for thee. Grow me more in my in my knowledge for thee, show me and I will see and cause me to live it out. Cross life, I just encourage you, don't stop loving, love more. And I end with this in verse 11, if you look with me, the first Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11 through 13. Here's my prayer for you, saints. This is my prayer for you. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Let's pray. 
Oh, Heavenly Father. We need more of Thee, O oh God. We need more of Thee and less of us. We pray that we would decrease, that You may increase. Would You grow us in brotherly love? That we would continue to be taught by You, God, how we are to love one another as we are already doing. We pray, O oh God, that the, the, the things of this world would not drag us away. The love of money, and the love of materialism and stuff. That we would not be consumed by the things of this world, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Oh, we must come and confess that many times we are drawn away. But we thank you, oh, loving and merciful God, that you always bring us back. You always bring your children back. And oh God, we pray if there be anyone here who does not know you, May they know You now. May they see their sins ever before them. May they see, O oh God, that if they were to die in their sin, they would be forever separated from a holy God. They would be judged by Your commands. If you break one of the laws, you're guilty of them all. But God has made a way for them to be right even now. He sent Jesus Christ to die for their sins. Oh God, would You grant them the gift of repentance and faith now. May You do Your mighty work in them now. And may they go from sinner to saint now. Thank You for Your people, Your beautiful people, O oh God, who love Thee. May they grow more and more and more. And may we continue to learn from them and their love for You, that we may imitate them as, you, as they imitate Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray.